This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Review Show. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. This week saw Palace take on Scott Parker's struggling Fulham side with Palace's improved performance enough to take the game 2-1 with Riedeveld and Zaha scoring before a late Kearney consolation strike. On the show this week is me, Chris Ambling. We've also got Chris Clark. Hello. Hello. And Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. PitchDMM.com. Right, so coming up on the show today, we'll be looking at the lineup as Palace made some changes in personnel since the last two horror shows, and we'll take a look at the game plan employed. Uh, we'll be reviewing the key moments from the game itself, analysing the goals and picking up the major talking points. Uh, we'll also be talking about the individual player performances and giving our picks for man of the match. We'll be covering your questions and comments as we go. And finally, we'll end with a quick chat on what to expect in the week ahead as a team prepare to face Wolves on Friday night. So before we go any further, just to remind you, we're sponsored by Pitch Sport Football. Google those words and download their app and you can join us in terms of predicting lineups, uh, reviewing games and manager performance and referee performance and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Pitch Sport will then produce statistics, both pre, pre-game and post-game, to talk about the kind of trends they're seeing in Palace fans. The more of you that join, the better those stats are and the more we can start using them in the show. They're very, very supportive of us, wonderful people. And so join us in supporting them by downloading their app. Uh, and if once you are um, registered on the app, you can add me on there. My code is K. K-U-G-K-U-T. Some of the others are on there, but who cares, eh? Um, in terms of social media, just on any of those platforms, search for Back of the Nest and you'll find us on there. Please rate and review the show on the relevant podcast apps that you're using. Five stars, please. I don't care if you think it's five stars. Just rate us five stars so other people will find us and we can grow our audience. Um, we are usually doing video, but not this week. Um, for a variety of availability reasons, mainly. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, But do check out the YouTube channel as well. Um, obviously, it's back of the nest, but like and subscribe on there. DR does most of the work there, doing a fantastic job growing that channel. A uh, little bit of trouble this week trying to um, 
deal with the fact it's a pay-per-view game and we're not supportive of pay-per-view. So obviously very difficult to watch the game and he had to unfortunately abandon at half-time, I think, due to various difficulties. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll sort something out around that uh, in time for Friday night's game against Wolves and you'll be able to join us for our watch-alongs on there, which are usually quite fun. Uh, you can contact us live as we're reacting and talking about what we're seeing in front of us. Um, I'll be honest, I, you know, I never would envisage watching along myself, uh, but doing it and, um, and and joining the guys on there, it's always a bit of fun. Patrick, you've done a few of those. It's quite um, it's quite good at keeping you in check, really, isn't it? In terms of how you respond to things and, uh, and and not getting too worked up about the things that are going wrong and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I enjoy them. Um, like I said, when I watch the games at home, I get very emotional. Unfortunately, I'm on Twitter way too much during matches to interact with fans, but that never works out. You know, when we win. And uh, so the watch alongs are much cognizant of, you know, people are watching me, so I'm much more calm. So I like it. It's much more fun. Indeed. Chris, did you do, I think you did one pre season, didn't you? Something like that? I did. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's a good experience. Um, I'd I like, the thing is, I like to watch games, to be frank, live properly, not on a screen or at least with people actually physically in a room with me. Um, and talking about that, I'm going to talk about how I watched this game because obviously, um, you know, I took the principled stand and was not about to shell out 15 quid myself for a pay-per-view um, game because it's morally wrong that they're doing that. Um, but what I did find was a pub in Croydon that was um, showing it, having shelled out the 15 quid, presumably, or what, making whatever arrangements were necessary. So regular listeners will know that, you know, I don't tend to go into pubs all that much or to drink <laughs> at all. But, but you know, I, I grasped that nestle and, you know, put up with it in order to enjoy the game. So brave. I mean, you're the real hero in all of this, Chris. That's the thing. Well, I didn't want to be the first to say it. Mm, there we are. So um, obviously I've spoken to them already, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll start with you, Chris, obviously. How was that experience watching it in the pub as sort of as good as you can get in terms of uh, of, of how you like to watch a match? Because I know, I mean, do you get to, it's a bit weird because there's that moment, probably what ten minutes before half time and the ten minutes after half time that you like to avoid watching any of the game anyway. So <laughs> how does how does that pan out at the pub? Um, well, I mean, if if the pub is actually doing table service as it advertises that it is, then it's actually quite go. a good little setup. But this pub seemed to have decided to advertise it was doing table service, but not do table service. Um, so effectively, and also the the person working behind the bar struck um, a remarkable resemblance to Mrs. Overall. Uh, oh. Some people may remember <laughs> in in terms of just the general. Um, inability to do more than one thing at a time. So um, I genuinely was, I went to the bar half an hour before the match started. I was genuinely worried about whether I was going to get back to our table for kickoff. <laughs> but, but in the event we did, and it was fine. Uh, the only concern I would say um, about this pub, um, which I'm not going to name for reasons that will become apparent, is that social distancing didn't seem to apply there. Indeed, it seemed like there wasn't actually a virus at all. Um, mm, you know, people seem to be looking a bit odd at me about the fact that I was walking around wearing a mask. Um, so yeah, that was not not the ideal experience. So um, next week I'll be back in my uh, regular pub, which I will endorse, which is the Claret in Addiscombe. For anyone who um, fancies dropping down at some point, Claret and Ale in Addiscombe. Well, there we go. There's a couple of a couple of observations. One is just loosely around the fact that you know I, I've not gone to pubs partly because um, I can't drink at the moment. Because of the carbs, all the carbs and the old on the old alcohol, but um, but but also 
I, I tend my, my observations, particularly even when I've been around, uh, you know, a, a friend's houses for a couple of garden parties and things like that. The more people drink, the less they remember about social distancing. Um, even relatively sensible people that I hang out with can't quite remember. Um, but the second thing I like to observe is that you spend so much time invested in in pubs, but you always seem to be quite angry about them in general. And it's it's often the things that you love the most that cause you the most pain, isn't it, Chris? But we'll move on. We've heard enough from you. From you. Let's talk to Patrick. Hey, Patrick, how's your how's your week been? Good. Um, so I didn't watch the game yesterday, quote unquote, live because um, event. I always pick one day on the weekend to play golf with a bunch of mates. I can play during the week, obviously, because I have a lot of free time, but I was playing the weekend with a bunch of friends. So I found that playing golf and, and watching Palace on my phone works because I've done it now three times this season. Uh, Southampton, May United, and yesterday, and we won all three. So there's a trend there that it may continue. <laughs> it depends. So You know what to do. Do you have to keep that going now until... <laughs> Until that fails, because you know, you'll certainly be banishing that jinx label. Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, I felt bad actually when I got back from playing. Uh, we'd won, obviously. So I watched the game a couple of times, and I, I decided to go watch the watch along on YouTube. And it probably ends at halftime. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, do I had the issue? Plus, he was by himself. I felt really bad. So I told him. I tweeted him. Well, I tweeted. I DM'd him and said, you know, from now on, I make myself available because I understand that doing a watch along by yourself can be frustrating. And plus, I can get the games obviously over here. A lot easier than you guys can because I'm, I'm paying yeah. for the you know the, the the pleasure of watching Palace. So exactly, you're not on a pay per view like <laughs> us lucky exactly. people. And our next, uh, I think it's our next five that are all on pay per view. So that's good, isn't Brilliant. it? That's really wow. Really happy Ridiculous. about that. And we'll talk. I'll talk about that a little bit. In fact, I'll talk about that now because I've got a couple of things, and they're, they're both relating to Palace and and. You know, the first being pay per view in general. Now, you know, I've tr- I always try and think about how we've ended up in the position that we've ended up in with, with stuff like this. Because, you know, your immediate reaction, and, and quite rightly, is it feels like greed again. Um, and, it, and it feels like, you know, I, I suppose, I'm, if I try and look at it from from whoever's responsible for setting this price point at 15 quid and, and why they're doing it and all this kind of stuff, I, I feel like they're they're setting it as a, well, you know, it'll cost you 30 quid or whatever to go and watch the game live if you bought a ticket anyway. So, you know, this is cheaper and we're, we're trying and they're trying to recover income for clubs, uh, you know, who aren't getting any ticket revenue. And I'm sure that's the thought process. But the problem is it's, you know, you're, you're penalising people in a in a time where it's quite desperate for a lot of people in terms of how their work's going, how their income's panning out. Most of these people are already paying subscriptions for for channels already and and through no fault of their own you know they're they're forced you know they're being forced to dig into their pockets at a time when it's not suitable for them to do so to watch their team play football when most of them all they want to do is go and watch the game you know live and they're not allowed and that's that's the travesty of it um and it just it just feels wrong. I mean, so many people have talked on this subject already. Even in, in, you know, the preview team have covered this as well. So we're not going to go on forever. But you know, I've been thinking about what I what I feel might be more palatable. You know, if it, you know, five pound a game feels much more palatable for me. Um, but even then, it just feels it's something about charging people per game to watch it on TV that just is so 
different to, to what football should be. Um, and it, yeah, it just, something doesn't compute with it. And, you know, we're, we're fully behind the, you know, the, the boycotting of uh, a pay-per-view, but, you know, obviously it's a critical time where you'll find the other ways of watching, unless you're fortunate enough to be overseas like Patrick. Um, the other ways of watching, it's an ideal time for people to be cracking down on that as well. And I know lots of people struggled with their usual way of, uh, of getting into uh, getting to watch games without without parting with any or much money at all. So it's a it's a real mess at the moment, and you just feel that probably a subscription service would be the better way to go. But uh, but you know, general thoughts, guys, on that. I suppose you know, Patrick, you've you know, you, you're you're further afield, so perhaps it affects you a lot less. But Chris, I'm sure you've got a view. Well, absolutely, and and you would expect me to um, take a very you know, moralistic and political perspective, and I do. I think that, um, you know, frankly, we are being ripped off and that's obviously unacceptable and wrong and needs to be challenged. That requires government intervention, frankly. Um, so that's that's point one. Uh, the second point, I think you're actually right. And I, I, as a fan who wasn't able to go to games for a long time, both due to geographic reasons and economically, um, I would absolutely have loved, where, both when we were in leagues below the Premier League, especially, in fact, when we were in leagues below the Premier League, I would have loved the option to watch my team every week from home. Um, And that's never been available. And in a way, it would be a positive change for the better if there was a kind of online season ticket offer. Um, Now, I don't want to endorse the principle of pay-per-view at all, but I do think that that kind of service would be far more acceptable. The other thing is just um, re-watching the highlights in preparing for today's show. Um, It was notable that at times you could they, they kind of switched off the artificial crowd noise and... You know, you had the usual thing of um, listening to um, Ray Lewington shouting, but you also had um, moments where they turned it back on. And especially after the goals and, and the songs that we were hearing, it just sickened me that we're not able to be there. And I, I know absolutely every reason um, why that's the case, but I really just effing miss it. And, you know, just yeah. bring back live football as soon as we can safely do so. I think everyone shares that feeling, but also knows that it's not going to happen for a while, sadly. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely weird because obviously, generally speaking, unless you're using an illegal stream or something like that, in normal circumstances, you know, the, the circ- they're not too different other than the fact that now you have an, an option to watch if you're prepared to part with a stupid amount of money. But, you know, usually if you don't have a ticket for the game and it's not being shown on TV, you just have to accept that and and see what you can find out there online if, if you're trying to watch the game live. But, you know, so in, in that sense, it's not that different. But, you know, at the point of, of, of buying a ticket to watch your team is you, you, you are paying a premium for the privilege of getting to the ground because, you know, there's a, a finite capacity, particularly when you're talking about the Premier League. So it's actually, you know, it is a privilege. It doesn't always feel that way, to be honest, but it is a privilege to go and watch your team live. And, you know, that's that's the, why people go and buy tickets and watch football live. It's not about just seeing the game. It's about all of it. And when you take everything else but the game out of the equation and still want people to part with, you know, quite a significant sum of money for 90 minutes worth of, of football with a load of inane chat around it. It's, um, yeah, just feels odd. There's just a specific point I want to make about this, which is that in terms of consuming football as a product, and I don't even like thinking about it that way, the reality is that obviously there's a huge number of people 
that don't aren't able to go to games and do watch watch them on telly all the time, and that's fine. The thing is, um, when you subscribe to Sky or BT Sports or whatever, you get all these other clubs' games on as well. And frankly, I don't want that. I don't mind watching the odd other club. While I love football, I love Palace, and that's what I want to watch. Yeah, we always sing that, don't we, here for the Palace, and it's actually true. That's like, So if I could have every Palace game and none of the others, then I actually wouldn't be as annoyed about everything else as I am at the moment, where not simultaneously they, they seek to make us pay to, for the privilege of watching Chelsea, Liverpool, Man U every week, and then we have to pay extra to watch the game we actually want to see. That's the thing that annoys me. Yeah, and Chris, I think that's where they're headed. Um, I believe that the reason they did this is a setup for not only overseas broadcasting, because the way it works over here is that I can pay uh, NBC, SN to $100 a year to get this new channel. They just set up called service called Peacock, and that allows us to get all the games. So like you, I can watch, if I wanted to, I could watch it like I'm watching now. I can watch the Newcastle Wolves match or any match. But I prefer just be able to watch Palace games. And I think that what they're setting up is that overseas uh supporters can watch their team only and then eventually that will trickle down to England where you can watch your team only I think that's where this is going to go with that pay-per-view but not at the price point they have now which is totally ridiculous yeah but you've also got a factor in what that I mean I, I don't know about anybody else but from I, I agree with what Chris is saying um if I was able to pay to only watch Palace particularly if I was able to you know, direct a large proportion of that money to the club through that arrangement. Right. Um, I would immediately cancel my Sky subscription. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got no need for it. Yeah. Um, you know, and as Chris says, the, the bias towards the big clubs who obviously feel, they feel that they're drawing the big audiences. And I suppose in a lot of ways that's true. But, you know, the real football fans aren't in that interested. I mean, obviously there's a whole selection of different groups of people who watch football in different ways. And there are, real obsessives who will watch every single game that they possibly can, you know, and there's probably a few of those on our our, um, podcast, but you know, it's not, it's not the be all and end all. And I don't, I, you know, I'm, you know, I pay hundred over a hundred quid now because of my 18 months with Sky has kicked over and they've now charged me full whack. Um, So, you know, and it just, it just feels ridiculous because the re I've really only got, Sky for very little, <laughs> other than watching Palace when I can. So look, you know, we'll, we'll stop there in terms of going on about it. But I think we're we're in, just in the same place as everybody with this. But I do agree with what you're saying, Patrick. It is heading in that direction. But I don't think the likes of Sky and BT and I suppose Amazon to a point will be keen to to because they will lose numbers, big numbers. I think particularly around sports subscriptions, if that was to happen. But anyway, let's let's move on. So I want to address um, something re- regarding the Brighton game, um, and you know we had a we had a few messages after the uh, the Brighton review show. So I want to first of all state something to, to those of you that did get in touch, or those of you that felt we were overly negative or anything like that. So the, the first thing is it was a very different show, and I did say that at the top of the show because what we did was, you know, it's about an hour after, hour and a half maybe after the game finished, we just went live on YouTube, and you know that that type of show where you don't have a plan. Our view was let's jump onto YouTube, talk about how we felt, and if anybody wants to get in touch, we'll talk about what they're saying. And we we were quite surprised with the number of people that tuned in um, at quite short notice. 
and really we let we let the people commenting drive where we went as a show so um I, to be fair and I, and I always and this is not a criticism of anybody who did messages because we really appreciate it but you know we didn't we didn't control the direction of that show really um we just let people react and part, one of the problems of doing that is if you if you're along with the live show you can state your point you can interact with us and we'll talk about positives and negatives but because we did it directly after the show we didn't have a chance to ruminate on anything there was no chance to sleep on it and and start thinking about the game as a whole there was no show document where i usually spend a reasonable amount of time looking through the match stats looking through reports and differing views and opinions and start forming my own kind of balanced view you know we just went with how we felt and and i say this with the greatest respect if you didn't feel after we played our biggest rivals our biggest game of the season at sellers park although we're not there it's still our home game and you turn out a performance like that and you don't feel aggrieved an hour and a half after that result and you don't feel angry and you don't feel you know negative if you don't feel like that then i don't i don't know what to think you know we're we're just human beings we're palace fans we want more than anything to beat brighton whenever we play them but we don't just want to scrape a result or or defend and nick a point you know, we don't want to see our team turn up and not attack to have one shot that was just a penalty. So we were we were angry. Now, if we'd waited a day, written a plan, taken everything in, yes, you absolutely would have heard a very different show, a, a balanced show where we'd have tried and take positives and negatives. We still would have been angry. The preview guys were still angry in midweek uh, and it still would have been very frustrating. And it was a game that, especially after the Chelsea game, already highlighted a lot of the frustrations that people have with this this manager in this in this setup that we have, you know, and those things haven't gone away. But what I'm, what I'm just trying to say is, you know, we t- didn't take, you know, it wasn't hundreds of people. I think it was about four people that got in touch and and just said that they were a little bit, you know, perturbed. Some more polite than others about the fact that we didn't provide a balance. But I'm just saying it was a reaction show, right? It was a reaction, an hour and a half. So give us a little bit of break. We've been been doing this a decade, and if I can't Kick, you know, stick the boot in on the manager after a performance like that against Brighton. Then you know, what, what's the point, really? So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad, really glad that you guys had a few days to ruminate on it and start think. You know, contact us on a Wednesday or a Thursday when you calm down and start start thinking about the the wider view. And, and I appreciate that. And you, you guys who've listened a long time will know me. I, I am always working hard to give balance. And I also want to point out that I did try during that show to give balance. I talked about Hodgson's career, the fact that he's been 45 years in management and you don't still manage at his age in the Premier League and do the things that he does if you haven't if you're not a fantastic manager. You know, my view is quite simple that you know his his method over the course of 4 years has, has now led to to you know we're watching quite poor football and and that I find difficult. Um, but we'll, we'll talk more about Roy. We can, we can talk about it from a, a more positive view this time round. Um, but yeah, Patrick, on on this topic, yeah, um, we were on we were on I think for maybe five hours straight. And I'm telling you right now, had I had a week to ruminate, I'd have felt just the same after that match. So I'm sorry if someone doesn't agree with me, but that was unacceptable last week. So I'm sorry if you didn't enjoy the show or thought it was too negative. But it was. I don't think I don't think uh, honesty is a bad thing. I think we were very honest last week. So people don't like that. You know, again, I feel sorry, but again, I would have felt the same way had we wasted, a, wait, waited a few days to do that show. 
Yeah, ex- exactly. And Chris, you, um, I'm, I'm sure you, you, well, I'm not sure you would have heard it. Hopefully, you did. But um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take one of the the, the emails. I want to get your reaction on it as someone who wasn't on that that live show and see how you feel about this as a, a few uh, as a statement and a bit of a bit of a dig right at the end. So it's from Matthew Ring, and he says Roy Hodgson. Best Palace manager in a generation. We'd have to define what a generation is, but okay. Without his stewardship, our top flight status would be gone by now for sure. CPFC looking on course for another good campaign. Another good campaign. Despite many clubs bellowing, uh, uh, bellowing, bellowing our squad investment. Does he mean bellowing, spending spending more than us? Let's say that. And he says, any chance of Roy earning some respect this week? So, Chris, your reaction as a slightly more neutral. <laughs> Well, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinion. That's the beauty of our game, isn't it? Um, and, you know, I mean, everyone knows that I'm one of the kind of in-house cheerleaders, really. Um, you know, and you need that to get balance. I was fed up last week. So I, I understand if I'd been on the show, um, it would, I mean, frankly, with the number of beers I'd sunk, <laughs> it probably wouldn't have been a very successful show. It would have been right up there with the one after the Derby game. But <laughs> on a serious note, um you know, I, I I understand why. I mean, so let, actually, let's focus on the point that Matthew's making about Hodgson. This isn't about respect, because as you've said, Chris, um, you know, you you were at pains to provide that, and no one disrespects Hodgson Hodgson's career. Some people are more frustrated than others about the quality of the football that's being turned out, um, and the positivity or not, not, and the ambition or not, not that we're seeing on the pitch. And I completely understand that. I, you know, we're going to talk about today's, you know, about the, this weekend's game shortly. And I'll make clear that I was frustrated by that performance almost as much as I was by last weekend's. Although the main thing is, I always look at the number of games played, number of points. I always say this, and I'll say it again: he's doing a good job on those terms, on those terms only, not in terms of what we're seeing on the pitch. But he's he's starting to live to deliver for me, and you know. Um, I think actually the, the broad point that Matthew made with regard to um, whether he's our most successful manager in a generation, I, I'm going to take that back to you know what 20, 30 years, and I think that's true because Coppel's the only person who's even close to him, in my opinion, and actually probably Coppel is better. I, I think um, the fact I've just said probably will annoy Patrick because <laughs> <laughs> um, clearly, actually, objectively, he is. But we're reaching the stage where you know. Depending on what happens, I mean, I think I'd say let's wait till the end of the season, and then maybe maybe we should um, invite Matthew on to talk talk that through. Okay, so without getting into too much detail, I believe you just said that arguably Hodgson's better than Koppel. Was that correct, Chris? Well, no, I think he definitely he definitely is better than Koppel. No, no, Koppel is definitely better than Hodgson. But okay. there's a, they're the only, that's the only one um, since Koppel that there's even any question about for me. Okay, and uh, okay, that's, okay. I want to clarify that. That's that's, that's a totally fair statement. Um, I could argue, and I'm, this is going to sound weird again. I did it last week, coming from me, but I could argue argue that Pardew was as successful as Hodgson in in that he kept us up as many at least twice, and he got us to a cup final. He ended very very poorly, and everyone knows how much I hate Alan Pardew. But again, yeah. I could argue that Pardew is actually better, or at least as good as Hodgson, based on the cup final appearance, at least. So yeah, that for me, for me, it's an interesting one because in, you know, in terms of longevity, we we don't 
tend to have managers that stick around very long. And that's exactly. a, that's a problem in the modern game in general, isn't it? You know, you, you know most teams change their manager every couple of years at the, at the moment. And so, so in that sense, you, you can't help but respect the job that Roy Hodgson's done. And, and I do, and we do on this show, you know, we, we review the games week by week. And, you know, I suppose if you look at the collective performances, although there will be some variances of opinion, um, you know, I, I certainly don't think we played well against Southampton, but a lot of people said that we did. But in terms of the number of games where you can you can hang your hat on that performance and you can, you know, you can feel pride in it, you can feel that we gave we gave an example of our best. Um, you know, for me, the Man United game only this this entire season. Hundred um, percent. And 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 also looking at the um, you know the, the general trend. You can you can almost pick from where you, where you start. I, I pick, it's still arbitrary. You know, I picked the start of twenty twenty because we were approaching the end of twenty twenty, and I felt you know a calendar year is a good example of looking at the trend. Um, and we just haven't won enough games in, in my view. And and I suppose. Looking at Hodgson's overall record, that that's one of the things that does stand out. You know that win rate is actually relatively low. Um, but having said that, you know I, I can't argue too much with what Matthew says in in that in that respect. And but I would just like to say, you know, just because we were negative against against Roy in the after that Brighton performance, following a, an absolute horror show against Chelsea, I think we have every right to be. And just because you you know we're reviewing a game where we were really unhappy. That doesn't mean that we automatically disrespect Roy Hodgson. I, you know, we've spent a huge amount of our time talking about him and, in, 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 you know, talking about the positives of what he brings, the stability that he brings. You know, there's there's games, and, and this game against Fulham is one of them where his approach works perfectly because Fulham didn't really have the quality to break us down. They scored a, a, an absolute wonder goal, but, you know, we could play that way and, and not really have any fear and it just restrict them to a handful of chances and just rely on our quality. But on the, on the flip side of that, you know, for me, it's been a little bit too long where generally speaking, you could sum up our tactics as let's hope Wilf plays well. And, you know, I, I don't feel that that's progressive enough, um, but that's a double-edged sword as, as many people have talked about. If you want progression, you want the football to develop and don't just stand still and play the same every week, which is what we currently do. Um, that doesn't necessarily, if you change that approach, you might do worse and you might go down anyway. So there's all sorts of connotations, but I, I didn't want to not address that, those, those things. And I, I take all this stuff on board. I, I don't take any criticism to heart. I'm not that kind of a person. Uh, you have to have a thick skin when you do stuff like this. And But I also don't want to disrespect people who don't happen to agree with me. You know, So I wanted to give you a bit of airtime, explain our view, explain where we are and you know, you'll hear plenty of positives this week um, in, in terms of the result, but we'll also be honest about what we thought. And and you may feel differently. Don't feel the need to be rude to us about it. It's, it's great. That's why we do these things. You feel different. Some, sometimes we all feel different than each other. And we can start talking about why that is. That's the purpose of what we do. If we just turned up every week and said, well, whew, we did badly in that game, but, you know, Roy's had 45 years in the game, so we can't criticise him, so everything's great. That'd be a short show. Wouldn't be much point in it, would there? So anyway, let's let's crack on and start talking about the. I mean, half an hour in, we're talking about the start of the game, but some enforced changes, gentlemen. Um, so first up, let's talk about Nathaniel Klein in for Ward. Wardy was injured, uh, and a second debut for Klein. Obviously, a little bit short of match fitness, let's say. But um, it was great to see. And I'll start with you, Patrick. How did you uh, you feel that Klein did, and, and how did you feel about seeing him 
back at right back for Palace. Well, Forrest, love seeing him back. Um, always been a big Nathaniel Klein fan. Um, and I thought he did okay. Uh, it was always going to be a struggle playing against Adamo Lukman, who's a very technically gifted player. But I really thought that um, he did a, a decent enough job. I thought that um, on that side, Townsend helped him out a bit. Uh, I thought the Fulham focused on on that side, and why wouldn't you? Being that um, you know he obviously was wasn't match fit, but I thought he actually did a, a, a decent job. And I think that going forward, if he gets to you know gets up the speed and gets their right back, seeing have a chance to maybe attack a little bit more will be a lot a lot of fun on that side, and it'll kind of bounce off our very strong. We'll get to later some very strong left side. So I thought he did me well yesterday, considering uh, how long he's been out for. About you, Chris, how did you feel um, watching Kalani back? Well, obviously, same. I mean, I was gutted when he left and I was delighted to see him back playing for us. I thought he was a little bit off the pace and I thought that was apparent um, at times during the game. And, you know, I mean, but then Hodgson said he did very, very well to get through 70 minutes with his lack of match fitness. And, you know, he's clearly a class player and I really hope that he, you know, does get a, a slightly longer term contract and spends a couple of years with us and you know gives us the quality of support that he can because it, you know he's a class act. Back of the nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I like the fact that he's, you know, he's got that, um, that much experience. Um, I know there was uh, after the academy game where he played 45 minutes, sorry, under 23 game. Um, I think they interviewed, it was Scott Banks. After the game, he talked about how weird it was because he was cap- effectively captain in Nathaniel Klein. Um, but he talked about how much talking he did and how you know organised he is, and that that sort of thing comes with experience. And and having someone like Klein come in as an option to replace Ward um, when he's injured um, before Ferguson's back fit as well. And I think that's whether we can keep Klein and have three options at right back. I, I don't know if that's the plan. It's difficult with a with a twenty five man squad, but. You know, I I feel someone like Ferguson will probably be able to learn quite a lot from from watching Nathaniel Klein and working with him every day as well. So, you know, for me, great to see him back. It wasn't an outstanding performance. It certainly wasn't Nathaniel Klein at his best, but it was certainly it was certainly good in in terms of the work that he did. He didn't get exposed much. Um, positioning was was as good as you'd expect. And and just to really pick up on what Patrick said, the only thing was he didn't really get forward too much, obviously conserving a bit of energy. Um, you know, went on the overlap a few times, but but we didn't see much of the ball go down that side um, with, with Klein offering too much of an option. But that will come with with minutes in those legs, I think. So great to see him back. Obviously, one of the other changes, gents, was um, 
Luka Milivojevic back with the in- James McCarthy still out, of course. Um, and obviously James MacArthur now injured. Um, and we saw what I said pre-game was a combination that I really wanted to see. Uh, and I know in terms of the general Palace population, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm in the minority of wanting Luca back in the side because you know lots of people feel he's been in, in, in terrible form. And there was still there was a kind of mix of criticism and positivity about that. But I look at Riedervald and and, and Luca, and I think such complementary skills and it did pan out how I thought it might and I'm not trying to claim credit after the game or anything like that but I I always envisage that you could have Lucas sitting deep because he's able to screen on his own in front of the back four doesn't get a lot of credit for what he does there because most of that's about standing in the right position um, and and, you know and, and tracking runners and things like that and it's not not a glamorous job but it does allow that flexibility for his midfield partner to start roaming a little bit and Riedervald did that brilliantly, I thought. I'm sure we'll talk about him. But I felt good to see Luca back in the side and I thought the two of them worked really well. Yeah, and if I can come in on that, I have to say um, that you know you, you do have room to be a bit smug because some of us um, were not of, not persuaded that that was uh, a change we wanted to see. Obviously, it was enforced through injury to a certain extent, but... Um, it became very apparent if you, you know, for anyone who hasn't listened to the interview with Jairo Riederwald and the uh, one of there's three post match interviews with Hodgson um, that I've had the pleasure of listening to, um, and yeah, Jairo himself gave a lot of credit to Luca for the work that they'd done in the week before, and I thought Jairo looked like a different player. He already looked good last week. Yeah, it's one of the positives that I took from last week's game was the way that he played. He looked at, he was playing out of his skin. And I'm not just saying that because of the goal, and we'll talk more about that. But um, I also thought that he was generally just boosted and improved by having a solid player next to him who enabled him to do what he can do, showing his pace and those quality passes. And that's also reflected in the other interview with Roy, where he said... Um, they got on the ball a lot of the time. They looked after the ball. They dealt with it well. They looked to play sensible quality passes forward. Um, these, th- So he then refers to uh, James MacArthur as well and says, these three guys have got goals in them and I'm expecting them to give us a few more goals as we go forward through the season. So, yeah, absolutely upbeat about Gyro and that selection. I wasn't at the start. The only question for me is how we fit Eze into that because we need to find a way because he was a live wire when he came on too. Yeah, I'm, I've always been a massive Luca fan. I've, the thing that bothers me, not the criticism by other people, that's fine. It's just that I, I do agree that a lot of times that, that corner kicks can be very poor in some of the passing. But looking quickly at some of the stats yesterday, he had an 88% pass successful weight, which for Luca is very, very good. Even though I think at times people criticize him for it, it's actually decently high. And he had, he had, he had what they call um, one successful uh, attacking pass, and that was the one that he played. I'm going to assume it's the one he played uh, two forward for the for the first goal because he's the one that sets up that that whole play. Yeah. I believe it was first to Tyreek. Was it, to, it was Zaha? Zaha. Yeah. It was Zaha. Sorry, right? Zaha shoots, will come back, shall up to Tyreek, and then uh, back to Zaha for the, to to Jaro to score. But I thought he had a really good game yesterday. Um, I I read. <laughs> I read the program last week, and I think we called, we talked about it last week, Chris. About you could tell he was itching to get back into the lineup because he was saying basically he was match fit and waiting for it to happen. This is my my issue with Hodgson, and again, I'm not going to go overboard, but 
It seems that players only get a chance with Hodgson when others get hurt. He doesn't seem to like make changes when changes could be done. We'll talk about, well, you don't change a winning lineup, but I always find that Hodgson only seems to make changes when he's forced to make them. And when he does, he's forced to make them, they end up being pretty good. And the example I'll give is obviously Luca yesterday had to come in because um, McCarthy and McCarthy were both injured. Tariq Mitchell having to come in last year because PVA got hurt. ABV coming in, AWB coming in a few years, a couple of years ago when Ward got hurt. And, um, you know, it's, it's like a, there's a trend there. And, and sorry, Jairo coming in yesterday again because, you know, or, or last week because of players being injured. I just wish that Hodgson would, would, would play players and see what's going on the training ground and get a feel for it as opposed to being forced to make changes. Uh, but again, having said that, I just thought Luca had a really good game yesterday. I hope he continues it because, again, that screen job he does is very important. But that back four, I think he and Kiate having played together previously, get along very well and play well together. I think him picking out, yeah, he picked another pass yesterday, by the way, that was set up. The one that uh, I believe that Batshuayi might be not, no, uh, Wilf's header that was called offside. What, I'm sorry, the, that Wilf missed the headed goal. That was also Luke, Luca passed to Andros. So he can pick out a pass if he can do that. When Hopefully he and Jair will play for a long time together. That's it. And I, and I felt he was given that freedom to sit deep because of gyro so yeah as, as we've talked about to me, i use the word complementary before the game and that's exactly what it what i felt it was they have complementary skills we we're used to seeing effectively roy fill the midfield with the same player and i don't just mean the similar names in terms of MacArthur and mccarthy they're just they, they are just effectively <laughs> the same you know and, and you could yeah. probably stick luca in that category as well and that's why I always liked when we lined up with with luca and kayate in there because kayate is a very different type of player um, but but Roy yes. likes the the workman like and and quite you know you you can't disrespect certainly not MacArthur you know what he's done in, in a Palace shirt and continues to do is fantastic but you know having something that little bit different in midfield made a huge difference and, and what you picked out there Patrick I think again we're not dwelling too much on negative and criticism of Roy but that's something that you know it is a again it's a double edged sword really given that that consistency and rewarding players by letting them keep the shirt it's quite important in, in managing players morale and um you know and agree. also giving them agree, that bit agree. of trust and not hammering them because they make one mistake that kind of stuff those are all good things and Roy does that very well but on the flip side you always wonder well actually was that the right selection for this game because it's not just about lining up the same players in the same way every game because this team you might hurt them more if you get this player in and all that sort of stuff so Dropping a player isn't necessarily about how they're playing. It's sometimes about the opposition. Look, and I'm I'm not pretending that Roy doesn't know that. I'm just saying that sometimes I think the balance of those decisions always we always seem to err on that side of caution of backing the players who've got the shirt. And whilst there's positives to that, I, I feel there are negatives as well. But you know, I, I, I it's nothing I can tell Roy about about management. It's just that's his style. And that's the way he goes. And sometimes I wish it was different as a as a fan watching the game. Um. So look, we're going to try and power through this a little bit. So do bear with me. I mentioned, you know, it's mentioned there that Eze was still off the bench and oh, sorry on the bench, and that was still probably the biggest talking point before the game. Uh, we'll talk about how he did in a little bit. Tactically, we did line up, and I and I've put in my notes, and maybe this is a little bit overcritical, but you know, to me, it was the same four four two as we know, but I didn't feel there was much of an adjustment from the Brighton game. I felt actually the, the main difference was both the standard of the opposition uh, and the performance of Wilfred Zaha. Plus, you know, that it's not that different in the sense that we got a relatively early goal against Brighton as well, but getting the goal after eight minutes made a big difference to the way we were able to approach the game against Fulham. 
Um, and it just made us that little bit more dangerous, that little bit more creative in attack because we were able to build that little bit of confidence. And in all of this and everything that we talk about, I still feel confidence is one of the biggest factors. And that's where, again, not having the ball, I think it's sometimes very difficult to actually gain confidence in attack. And it's great when your counter your counterattack works uh, and the, the opposition get more and more desperate, so you find more space. I mean, that's how we were so impressive against Man United and it worked perfectly there. But I think in the games, particularly when you go down, um, it's very, very hard to adjust the way you play as dramatically as you need to. So, um, But those are my thoughts around the game plan. I didn't think it was that different, but it was different enough. And that's kind of borne out in the statistics, really. We, um, you know, we had 14 attempts at goal, um, which when you think about how we've played the last two, three games, really, you think about that, it, it's quite incredible to suddenly have 14 attempts. So clearly, you know, there was a lot of work done on the training grit ground to shift from what we did over the last two to, to this. But, you know, Fulham are the worst team in the Premier League. So th- that's the other part to consider. But I will say a couple of things in terms of the um, the sort of statistical points that they picked out on whoscored.com. I think they're actually pretty good. Um, so I'll start with Fulham, actually, because you know, Fulham only got listed one strength from the game, which was that they were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from long-shot situations. And I think that was reflected in the number of long shots in the second half in particular because that's what Scott Parker told them to do because they couldn't break us down. But it says in their weaknesses, we're poor at finishing. And I don't think that should be ignored. It hit the post twice, um, you know, and, and Mitrovic hit um, hit one over from a, from a, you know, it seemed easy at the score really. So we were a little bit fortunate at times. Um, obviously, we surrendered possession quite significantly as, as well. But, Bottom line is we, we won the game and, and our strengths are quite interesting as well. Um, we created a high number of chances relative to possession. Well, absolutely. Um, and we were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities through individual skill. Uh, I think a lot of that falling at Zaha's feet. Um, we were effective at creating opportunities from through balls, which I, I love to see. Uh, the movement in our in our best attacking moments and, and the skill the first time passes was so satisfying to watch. I love it when we play like that. Don't do it enough for me, but love it. Uh, and also we're effective at creating from the flanks, which again, we talk about um, and, and it, we just look so much better when we're doing that. So lots to be positive about in terms of, of in terms of the way we're creating chances. And I think favouring through balls, tacking down the left side and a high shot frequency in possession were our sort of key styles from the game, which again, I think reflects the game perfectly. Yeah, so a couple of things. Great stats, by the way, from WeScore.com. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, is... is um. I'm thinking back to every once in a while. I don't do it too much because it frustrates me. You know, the 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 team, uh, the the Palace TV team do a great job of putting out training videos. So I like to focus on what we're working on, even though you're never going to show what we're game plan, but just things. And I have to say, when we play little small sided games, you can see in a game like yesterday how good those things are because that reverse ball that Zaha plays to Gyro. It's about the training ground. It's a brilliant ball. And you could hear Lewington scream to Jairo the entire time to get into the box. So that's probably something they've worked on. That's the first thing. And then the ball that Townsend plays to Batshuayi for the second goal that he plays across the box. I think it might have been a shot, honestly. But who cares? And Zaha puts it in the back post. It's also something you know they're working on the training ground. It's a little small-sided game. So it's great to see that things they're working on the training ground and little pieces of skill that they work on. You just said, Chris, individual skill can translate into chances. And that's the thing about the way we play sometimes. It's so frustrating to see us be so creative with Townsend and Batshuayi and Zaha 
and in yesterday's case, Jaira getting into the box. And in other times, we can be so, I don't even know what the word is, but not pedantic, that's not even the right word, but just so boring in pedestrian. the way that we play. So, that's the word, of course, the other P word. Pedestrian, thank you very much, Hambo. Uh, pedestrian, the way we play, and it's it's frustrating. So, going back quickly to what Chris said, Chris talks about well, how can we get Eze in there. Well, I think Eze could play for Schlupp, personally. I think if he plays for Schlupp, now you're talking. And you've got, if you've got Mitchell and, and Klein at the fullbacks, Luca Jaro in the middle, Wilf, Batshuayi, Townsend, and Eze. I mean, seriously, you possession has to go up. Attacking chances have to go up. And so do shots on goal have to go up. That would be a lot of I just love to see. It's not going to happen, I don't think, anytime soon. But you put Eze for Schlupp, and again, I'm not putting down Schlupp because I think Schlupp brings a lot and adds a lot to what we do. You put Eze in for Schlupp, and I think we'd have a really, really exciting team. To I knew Chris at. would want to come in on that, but very quickly, my, my reaction to 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 that is, <laughs> I, I think there's a trade-off there with Eze and Schlupp. And I think Schlupp gives you directness and pace. And Yes. Now, Eze's capable of the directness, but the, the kind of raw pace that Jeffrey Schlupp has uh, and and probably if we're we're being absolutely fair and not wanting to drag too much back into the whole defensive mindset, but the the protection that he offers the fullback is obviously probably superior to to Eze as well, um, and that's why lots of people talk about shifting the system to accommodate accommodate Eze. But that's a, that's a difficult one, and again, probably not something we're going to see happen under Roy. Go on, Chris. We're not going to get into a massive joust about this because it's horses for courses. And I agree that in certain games, it actually would be appropriate to bring Eze in for Schlupp. As my preference and view on this game would be that it would probably have been better to bring Eze in for Townsend because Townsend looked tired. He's been amazing for all the games so far. It was time for a rest for me. Um, And that's the thing. What we need to be doing is rotating these talented players who have interchangeable skills. I'm not convinced that Roy's ever going to do that. That's one of the limitations that comes with the advantages. We get consistency, but we don't get the flexibility or the excitement. So, you know, it's just a trade-off as, you know, it's a a phrase you used just now, Chris. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm not going to get into a fight with Patrick over, yeah, because he agrees Schlupp's good. We all agree Schlupp's good and he's got a role, so do the other two, and we just need to be a bit more willing to change it up, I think. Indeed. So in the interest of time, I'm just going to rattle through through a few things and get us to talk about the uh, goals in a little bit, because um, we've got quite a big show plan, and frankly, we're nowhere near through any of it, so <laughs> we've got to try and do something about that. So look, very, very quickly, just a couple of observations around the, the average positions of the team. It was quite clear that one of the shifts was making sure that Wilf was, was leading the line, um, so Batshuayi was actually dropping deep, coming to get the ball, um, almost making him the point of the of a three in midfield at times. And I think that worked pretty well. Um, so he did that when he wasn't running the channels. And that meant that Wilf could be right up on the defence, looking to use his undoubted pace, looking for those you know, long searching balls from Luca that we saw come, you know, sort of comes a good effect, but not necessarily often enough if we're if we're being greedy about things. Um, but that that I thought that was interesting. I thought the fact that Jeffrey Schlupp was wider this week than he was against Brighton, I think, had a really good impact on the game. Against Brighton, he was most of the game he was drifting inside to become a third midfielder. I think that was deliberate. I think we tried to play much narrower because we gave Brighton a little bit too much respect. Um, well, a little bit too much respect is probably underselling it a little bit. 
But um, but yeah, noticeable that he was much wider. He was he was quicker at, at you know following the fullback on the overlap and all that kind of stuff. And that that meant we conceded a lot less possession uh, in, in crossing areas, which uh, meant when went we sort of forced Fulham further inside the pitch where we've got the numbers. And um, so that worked pretty well. Quite happy to see that. Um, noticeable that Townsend, you know, he talked about the fact that he looked a little tired. It's weird. I, I felt watching it, he wasn't having the best of games, uh, but lots of people talk about him having a good game. And it's funny, having seen the highlights, you know, he was quite critical in, in some of the good work that we did. But I think he was also the the most number of tackles in the game. I think it was nine tackles. And, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about talking about Andrus Townsend as a defensive player. And I think it's been to his detriment over the last couple of years that that's where his focus has been but you know I think he's, his personal form has got a lot better so just a couple of observations there um, so moving moving on from talking about tactics setup and game plan let's very quickly um, address the, the key moments from the match so firstly I do want to say that if anyone who watched the highlights only because of the pay-per-view thing you really won't have understood the game at all the, the, especially if it was the match of the day highlights you know, it starts with our opening goal, right? Now, that was on eight minutes. Prior to that, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating to say that we touched the ball four times. We just yeah, weren't... Five. Four or five, maybe. Yeah. We just were not interested in having the ball. And I'll be honest, prior to our first attack, I actually felt humiliated watching it. I, I was thinking, hey, why are we doing this again? We're playing the bottom team, a team that is just completely unable to defend at Premier League level. And here we are just accepting, accepting that they're going to get the lion's share of possession, accepting that we're not going to challenge them. We're just going to we're going to get ourselves organised and defend everything and hope that we don't get that bit of bad luck or, or you know, we hope that they don't have that bit of quality to break us down. We're just going to try and frustrate them. And as it panned out, it was probably the right thing to do well we won't ever know you can't know whether or not a different approach would have given you better or or similar results but it just felt all wrong up to that point and it was very much a here we go again for those first few minutes um but we did score with our first attack and look i'm speculating maybe just watching the edited version of palace games is going to be better for the future because watching those highlights it looked like we almost dominated the game and and won it at a canter, when in reality we didn't. As I said before, they hit the post twice and should have scored from another one. So arguably they probably should have scored three. Um, but I'm not going to take anything away from the fact that we did defend extremely well and there were lots of players that were responsible for that, a really good team effort. So first goal, Patrick's described it a little bit, but I'll just run you through it. So it was our first foray forward and it started with Luka Milivojevic. Hit a brilliant ball into the channel. And what I liked most about that ball into the channel is Wilf wasn't standing out in that channel. He'd started central right up against the centre-backs and he ran across the line. So they, they had that little bit of uncertainty about when they're going to pass him on. That's intelligent movement. That's how you break down a defence. Don't stand next to someone waiting for the ball up. Run across them and get get them confused as to who's picking who up. And that little bit of that second or two that you get while they're making that decision or they're passing a play run will get you that space that you need. It did for Wilf. He got, got on the ball was able to turn face up to the penalty area and just drive in there. Chops back as he likes to do, right foot onto left this time. Keeper makes a good save. And what was really pleasing after that is Jeffrey Schlupp is so alive to that ball. You know, you you can almost forgive people for stopping running by that point, but he's just seen it straight away. It's not going to go out of play. Grabs it, knocks it back to Mitchell. And I loved Mitchell's first time pass. You know, he, he, he hit it with a little bit of pace on it and 
a little bit of swerve almost into the feet of Zaha, which was fantastic. And, you know, I'm admiring that pass. And then all of a sudden, Wilf just comes out with a no-look reverse pass. And you think, wow, wow. Um, but but Gyro, a central midfielder running into the box, I, I love to see it. Not something we do too often, but when you do it, when you take that risk, you get someone forward, um, you get those opportunities. Fantastic finish for his first goal. A fantastic team goal. Excellent quality in attack. And you're seeing that, you're celebrating it, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, come on, we can do that more, can't we? That is, doesn't that show you that we can trust our players to attack? But, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on that too much. But fantastic stuff, it really was. And, um, you know, I, I think, oh, has, has someone stuck an extra chance in there? I don't remember writing that. That was me. Oh, is it? Because you've used batsman. I'd never have written that, Chris. I did that deliberately. <laughs> I just purely aimed to wind I'm you up. Just skip past that. <laughs> mainly, mainly for the reasons we don't have time. But it was across from the left, and um, he could have had a tap in, but the keeper got there. Yeah, um, and to be honest, he was out. Wilf was out of play anyway. Yeah, well, that's the one where I you always wonder when because uh, he's obviously gone past the defender and knocked it round him. And he loves running across the goal line um, when he gets round players, and you just look at the. Look at the defender and wonder why that isn't a foul. You know that's that's how I felt about that one. But um, but you're right. We did have that another little opportunity there, but not too much more in in the first half other than the chances from uh, was Lookman hitting the post twice. Really, uh, first one quite got a, a good touch on it onto the post, and the second one was um, was very unfortunate for them. But um, delighted that they missed it. So we got some warnings there. Uh, but responded well after that, and didn't. And, and by the end of the first half, we'd um, we'd grown into the game in terms of keeping a bit more possession and, and, and starting to worry them a bit more. So, got to half time. I was happy to have banished those first few minutes where we we were embarrassing. Delighted to uh, to get in uh, one nil up, and um, and you always felt that that would mean that Fulham had to do something. And us playing so well on the counter, uh, you know, the, the signs were pretty good. We don't. I think it's we haven't lost in something like fifteen games we've gone ahead, um, and and that is something hugely worthy of praise, um, you know. And it shows you how important it is that we is that we do get that opening goal. And the second goal in the uh, in the second half, of course, Andros starts the move from deep, uh, knocks the ball up to Batshuayi, who knocks it. They're basically just playing one two with each other, um, so he knocks it back to Andros over to the right hand side. He then rolls the ball brilliantly behind the defence. Um, just absolutely perfect weight on the pass, which was lovely to see. Batshuayi, maybe, maybe it is a shot. Maybe we give not giving him enough credit there. I'm not sure, but drills it to the back post and Zaha doing what forward players need to do, which is gamble at that back post. Again, with him, really pleased to see that movement. It was a factor in the first goal. And if you watch him, what he's, you can see him thinking. He's very central when the ball's out wide, and then he just drifts. Very not doesn't rush to the back post. He sort of drifts towards that area, and just as he sees that the ball is going to come across, he then he's sprinting, and then he's that's the reason he gets there. The timing was perfect, the movement was excellent. No one really picks him up. Um, just a very very satisfying goal, um, and you know again such quality in the move that you just feel trust the players to do that more, and we can really give we can give everybody a game if we do that. So then, yeah, we're, we're two 0 up, gents, and I want to get your views on the the red card actually. So it was uh, the sub, Boobkar Kamara, um, Eze had obviously come on the pitch for us. Um, just just a bit too quick, a bit too skillful for him. Uh, you know, he's, as 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 he's gone, the ball's 
you know pretty far off. It, it's a it's a stupid challenge to make. Treads on him uh, could have could have been pretty dangerous to be honest with you. Given as a yellow, but VAR um, advises the ref to have a look, and the ref upgrades it to a red. Uh, you had your hand up first, Patrick. So I was going to ask you what you felt. Yeah. Um. On first reaction, I didn't think it was as bad as it was. I thought a yellow would have been fine. What? Watching it again, you just can't go down the back of a calf and then on the kiddies like that. Um. But again, with VAR, the thing about VAR, which which I still am an advocate of, but I feel when it, when you see things in slow motion, they always look worse than they actually are. Um, but again, I think it was fair as a red card because of the, where he where he raked down. I don't think there was any intent there. Honestly, you could tell his reaction. He didn't mean to do it. But again, um, in, in retrospect, you just can't go down the back of a car like that. So I, I think it was a fair red card. But again, had he just been a yellow, I wouldn't honestly I wouldn't have had a problem with it either. I completely agree with that. I am still worth saying though, because at the time I thought, nah, no, I don't think there's anything there. And then when they showed the replay, you looked at it and went, no, that's actually, that is bad enough. That could really, really have hurt him. And the key point about that is, I think you used the key, the key word there, um, Hambo, which was, it's stupid. It's a stupid tackle. It's not a nasty tackle. He doesn't mean to hurt the bloke, but he could really, really have hurt one of our key young players and wrecked his career. So, you know, it's it's the right decision, but unfortunate for the Fulham lads as well as for us. Yeah, I mean, the only thought I have on it without trying to take my uh, Palace tinted glasses off is had it been against us, I would have been looking at that and thinking it looks so much worse slowing down. And when you can see the ref looking at the, um, the pictures on the sidelines... I'm not sure, maybe the first couple of replays he saw were at full pace, but the majority of what he was watching was at slow motion and it does look bad. And you know, I've played a bit of football, as, as I'm sure you guys have, and even you know, five aside mucking about, sometimes you do something like that and you, and you just you, you desperately want to get to the ball. But you know, if you have the time to think about it, you know you're not getting there. But But in the moment, you just... You're trying to just do something, um, and it's yeah. I don't think any malicious intent. And like I say, had it gone against us, I would have said at full pace, it's nowhere near as bad as it looks. But having said that, in slow motion, you can see just how close to a serious injury it could have been. And I suppose that's the main thing, and that's why he got sent off. But a bit of a shame for him. But hey, who cares? He plays a film, so we're not that bothered. <laughs> 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 so uh, look, uh, the, the third goal of the game was a good goal. Um, we're going to skip through our bunch of stuff here, so apologies. We're not going to get into as much detail on the game as we planned to, but um, we also don't want you having to listen to two and a half hours of this either. So, um, so look, bottom line is very late in the game and injury time, and, and Roy is right to kind of pick up on this. So it happened against Brighton. It happened against Brighton because we invited pressure in a team where we'd already given the ball to them for the most most of the game. So. Uh, we, we made changes to be even more defensive and invite them even more onto us. And I think that was an error last week. But this week, it wasn't anything to do with anything that the coaching staff did from the sidelines or anything like that. It was just because we're 2-0 up. It's in injury time. And you can see the game, in, in the players' minds, the game is won. And we just dropped off in terms of how close we're getting to the players. Um, the defensive line was just probably two yards further back than it should be. The midfield weren't snapping at the heels of anyone in, in that gap or anything like that uh, and just giving him the chance. And it was still a superb strike. Majority of the times players hit something from that range and there's enough 
there's enough time for the keeper to get there. Um, and it's not perfectly placed like it was. But, you know, I've got a lot of time for Kearney. I think he's a very talented player. Um, you know, good strike from them, but but ultimately completely irrelevant in the course of the game. Other than the fact it cost me my uh, fantasy Premier League points for Guaita's clean sheet. And for that reason, unacceptable. And that's all I'm going to say on it. Um, Batshuayi, and he tweeted this. He's now two in two game, uh, goals, but unfortunately both offside. Um, but but good form. <laughs> um, there's a bit of confusion over a goal that Wilfred's... So go on, Patrick. Yeah, I actually want to comment on, on Batshuayi. Though he's not scoring goals, I think that will come, which I hope it does. But I li- I've, I've always liked the combination of him and Wilf, even from last the last loan he was here with us. And uh, I think they get along really well. Uh, funny, funny, but not funny part was when Will scored the goal and was writhing in pain. Batshuayi jumps on top of him and is laughing and Will's like, my, hey, mate, I hurt my leg. Get off me, kind of thing, which I thought was kind of funny at the time. Um, but um, it would be nice to him to start scoring goals. Again, I think that the combination of him and his work rate, by the way, which I want to point out, is very, it's much better than I imagined or remember it being. He works really, really hard up front. And I think that helps uh, us put a little pressure on opposing teams when you have Wolf and him up up front, both interchanging, working very hard up top. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't like him as a as a lone forward, Batshuayi. Um, I don't think it works when he's when he's plowing that furrow himself but but yeah definitely yeah. uh with with the player up alongside him um it just enables him to do that much more work he's not crowded out quite so much so you know his his play with back to goal is um is actually pretty good plus he gives you that benefit of being able to run the channels intelligently and as you say once he gets starts getting some opportunities that aren't offside um, i'm sure he'd be smacking the goals in as well but you know on that i do think he has to watch that because he's approaching Bruce Dyer records of being offside, so just uh, maybe a few more games and he'll um, and he'll uh, he'll just be fully up to speed. Um, just to pick up on a couple more things, there's a bit of confusion over uh, with Wilfred Zaha sort of scoring a tap in and it being given offside. I think I'm right in saying that just because the pass from I think Eze out wide to PVA, I think it was, um, just because Wilf was offside but not receiving the ball there, they still give it. Um, because he wasn't offside when the cross came in and he tapped it in at all. Uh, but that caused, I know Terence was a bit confused. I was a bit confused about it. But I'm assuming that the the law doesn't allow for this sort of phase of play thing that we talked about previously. Otherwise, that's quite baffling. Um, but other than that, look, I think we'll probably leave it there. Someone's chucked actually something in here, which is interesting. Whose was, who's was the 10 shots? Who wants to take us through that? That's me, um, and that that was um, a stat I picked up from the BBC, which pointed out that this is the first time that Palace have um, had ten shots away, shots on target away from gut home since twenty eighteen, which was um, the Fulham away game <laughs> uh, when we had ten. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Um, I I don't know whether that's worrying or not. It possibly is, <laughs> but anyway. Well, it is, but it's also reason to be cheerful because yeah. that's a positive, yeah, isn't it's it? Positive. Um, so you've added some um, some some Roy comments. Well, you've talked about some already. Um, listen, I just wanted to pick out a few things that um, I, you know, I get. I sometimes get a little wound up if I'm being right, being honest with you. But so these comments from him after the game, he said from the off from the offset, we were playing the right way. No, we weren't. <laughs> right for the first, for the first seven minutes, we definitely weren't. Right. Um, it also says it made it making them difficult difficult for them to cut through us. They're a good team with the ball, and I wondered about the significance of saying with the ball. Um, 
And he said, they do ask a lot of questions, but we were certainly closing off all the routes they wanted to take. And I thought we looked dangerous when we actually did get the ball. And I wondered about the significance of the word actually in that. So uh, it's the sort of way I would have described it. So I'm wondering if Roy is perhaps sharing some of the same frustrations I am in terms of our um, our inability to get and hold the ball. But um, but sure, he bears the brunt of some of the responsibility of that. So anything you wanted to pick it out in Roy's comments before we move on, Chris? Yeah, let's let's be honest. There are there are a few things, and mostly they're things that will wind you up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the actually did get the ball. Um, <laughs> it, it seems to be designed to wind you up. But also, he said um, we scored our two goals, came close to scoring one or two more, and the only thing which I suppose spoiled the absolute perfect day was another goal in the ninetieth odd minute, which presented prevented a clean sheet. He then said, but I'd be very greedy if I was in any way upset about that. So he's calling you greedy, Hambo. Well, in, in, many, in many ways I am. But, you know, I mean, I suppose... He's just delighted yeah. with the three points. He's just delighted. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, look, ultimately, <laughs> I, I myself have talked about not placing too much significance in what people say before and after games to the media and all that sort of stuff. But he does have a certain way of talking about games which... Which gets to me, no, no more than last time out, where he said after the Brighton game that he was satisfied with with our performance defensively, and that we should have been. He said the words we should have been a bit better, a bit. The, I, yeah, I know. Let that sink. So in. anyway, and actually, yeah. I, I want to jump in because he he said something else, which again is going to make you annoyed. <laughs> So um, so here's his quote uh, reflecting on the game. Um, after losing... The, so he's talking about the Brighton game. After losing those three points so close to the end of the game last week, which was hard to take, a bitter pill to swallow, really. Not that we played that well as we, as we could have done. Not that we played as well as we could have done last week, but we certainly played extremely well today. And, and this is the bit you're going to love... We were back, I thought, to our best. <laughs> Defended extremely well and really probably getting a, close, getting a clean or as close as possible to getting a clean sheet. But in terms of our attacking play, I thought we, we were a constant danger <laughs> and really good value for our two goals. <laughs> seriously, seriously, what, what what's he talking about? Seriously, um, uh, what's he talking about? What, what, what? This is and this is this is why people will, will comment about the, the pod being negative because how can you listen to that comment and take it seriously? Because either he's having a wind up or he's totally <laughs> I've doesn't see what we I've see. for a while been suspicious that Roy either gets the, a lowdown on what we say or or listens <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> it feels like he's speaking directly yeah. to me at <laughs> the time. or me or you yeah 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 but right yeah, he's, he's trolling yeah, us exactly, exactly. Right. it, it feels like we're being trolled but no look I first of all I, I promised myself I would try and be as positive as possible in this game it, you know what's the point in in being a you know a supporter of Palace if you don't enjoy the wins um, and all that kind of stuff so you know it, I I would say describing that as back to if if you if he genuinely feels that a two one victory against the worst team in the league is us back to our best then okay fair enough you know you, you'd be happy with that mate um, and I and I will continue. Um, as as someone who loves watching football and loves watching Palace, I'll continue to hope for more. Um, and there we are. 
I just want to share a full word review with you, um, which is from a Mr. Hodgson. Uh, <laughs> back to our best. Yeah, there we go. Thanks for that. <laughs> but yeah. look, it, uh, look it, it, it is what it is, as they say. Um, wow. So thanks for that, Chris. Thanks for taking us through those comments. It seemed a little bit aimed at me. Anytime. Yeah, anytime, yeah. mate. Uh, just as a, uh, a listener comment in from Mark Drew, he did say better performance, but full of more poor. Nevertheless, a win. When they scored near the end, my nerves went into a meltdown. Probably should have just read that out as the review there. That would have saved us all a lot of time, wouldn't it? But good stuff. Thanks for that, Mark. Um, so into, into just a, uh, as quick a possible chat about player performance. We've talked a lot about the players in general. Um, I have in front of me the who scored ratings. Um, but before we talk about those, we'll, um, we'll have a bit of a chat about what we think. I would highlight Wilf as I'm sure most people would, as being outstanding. Um, my clear man of the match, one of his best performances for a while, played with a bit of freedom, bit of fire in his belly. And it was clear from what Hodgson said that, that you know, Wilford picked up on the comments the other week that upset a lot of people uh, and, and essentially said, asked Roy why he was picking on him in terms of that. And I did, it, and I did actually enjoy Roy's response, even though I think Roy could choose his words more carefully. Um, and and I, I don't know how much credit I give that performance to what Roy said, but I, w- I would say some of it was a reaction from Wilf in, in particular. But I, I just I did enjoy the fact that he says, "Well, you're the only ever player, only player they ever want to talk about." So I've got to say something. <laughs> I did I did genuinely enjoy that. So not, not only is it good humour from Roy, but he's absolutely right. You know, every week, every press conference. Someone asks him a direct question about Wilfred Zaha, whether it's relevant or not, and it and it is a bit. It's it annoys the hell out of me. So, I, I dare say he's um he's going to slip up occasionally in saying certain things. Um, yes, though, though I wasn't happy with the performances overall. I thought in the, there were some players that did do well. I really liked. I really love how Tariq Mitchell's coming, uh, just getting better and better every week. You, you just again, like I've made said before. You just don't notice him anymore at left back as far as you don't think of him as a as a as a newer player, young a youngster at left back, which is nice to see. I thought Kiate, and I I know I keep banging on about this, but I mentioned it during the uh, preseason how I thought that Kiate could do a real good job as centre, as centre back, and I think he's done really, really well. He's had now three different partners, I guess Sacco, Cahill, and now Dan, and he really doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He talks a lot. And something you mentioned that when Mitchell went to right back when PVA came on, someone mentioned because you could hear you could hear him talking to Mitchell during the entire time helping him out, which I think is really important to see. I thought uh, Gyro and Luca were very good in the center of the, of the park yesterday. I thought they really played well. And again, obviously, I thought um, up front, I thought, you know, Wilf was, was brilliant. And I just love the free role that he's taken, up, taken hold of and really thrived in this season. I agree with everything Patrick's just said. The one thing I wanted to say is that for me now, Kiate is our first choice centre back, and <laughs> wow, that's where, love that. that's, that's <laughs> where I that's where I'd play him for the rest of his time with us because we've actually got so many choices at centre back, and I'm not doing the thing that a lot of us have done, including me, of slagging Roy off for having too many defensive central midfielders. <laughs> I'm just saying. He can do that job, so he's the he's name one on the team sheet. You know, Guaita as well, and then you're looking at who partners him. It's simple as that, and then you look at midfield, and I think we already know what that's going to be as well. But yeah, for me, he he's absolutely straightforwardly 
our number one centre back for me. Mm. Well, I haven't got time to get into that. <laughs> so, uh, but he's doing very, very well back there. Um, so, in terms of what what's being said so far, uh, Andy Ho very much um, agreeing in terms of saying that um, you know he was talking about what were our thoughts on Luca and Riedewald in the middle, which we've talked about. Um, but he said he thought they looked good. Two players who were calm on the ball. Um, and he feels if it's, it's mouth-watering if we were to put Eze in with those. And I say this this phrase a lot, but I don't think you can have enough players in your team that are comfortable in possession when they receive the ball and don't just want to pelt it into the channels or knock it up to the front. And I've always looked at <laughs> Palace throughout the entire time that we've, well, that I've been a Palace fan and always thought, I wish we had more players that were actually willing to have the ball. Um well, we've definitely with 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 Luca and Gyro in the midfield. We've definitely got two of those. I agree with Andy. Um, and yeah, and at some point, linking Eze in with those would be brilliant, especially if Wilf's still about. And all of a sudden, there's four, <laughs> and um, you start looking like you've you've got a team that can can play a bit of possession football, and um, you know, defend by having the ball, which is another way of defending, which um, I'd quite like to see. Well, Hamba, I just want to say I've, I'm now on my 20th version of Football Manager 2021, 20, yeah. and I have found a way to play um, Wilf, Scott Banks, Eze, Maya, <laughs> and Ross in the same lineup. Just saying, and Gyro, at left back, by the way. Just saying. Oh, well, there just you saying. go. It can be done. <laughs> you need to get your application in for when Roy retires, mate. That's what you need to do there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm obsessed with. He's not retiring. No. He's not retiring ever. You know, I think to be honest, we're going to die before he leaves the job. (laughs) Chris, don't do that. Stop it. Be nice. Don't say that. Um, Just a couple of quick mentions for me before we move off. Um, Actually, just very, very quickly, Patrick, Chris, Wolf, man of the match, right? Or have you got another selection? No, definitely. Gyro would have been a contender, um, a really strong contender because I thought he was excellent. Wolf, though, was absolutely in his pomp, and I mean, if I'm if I wasn't being, you know controversial then yeah Wilf probably was the man of the match but he absolutely was given a a game for it by Gyro. So here's a here's a couple of things that I'll I'll talk about from the who scored stuff just off the back of that. So Gyro strong performance they gave him 7.88 and the thing that I would pick out from him uh, he did have 30 he had 37 touches of the ball which is fewer than I thought and you know it's, it's sort of mid-range in terms of the team but 95.5% pass accuracy in that, which is um, which is excellent, I have to say. Wow. Very, very impressive stuff. Uh, obviously played 84 minutes. So to have 95.5% as a central midfielder pass accuracy in 84 minutes is hugely impressive. And to give you an idea... Well, Hambo, just to jump in... Sorry, real quick. I'm sorry. Um, we had mentioned in previous podcasts how poor overall our passing has been, and you just said that, and then you add in what Luca did. That's why it was so much better yesterday. Well, exactly. So, I mean, Luca was fractionally below 90%, in, well, 88.1%, but he had the, the most touches of anyone in our side, 68. And again, how many people would, would have thought that? So not many of those, you know, he had the one key pass uh, and the one shot, which is the free kick. So the key pass was out to Will for the first goal. The shot was the the direct free kick, and that's really all he did in terms of, you know, statistical impact on the game. But those sixty eight touches, you know, as I say, far more than anybody else in the side, I think they would have probably gone unnoticed. Absolutely, just to say, rewatch if you haven't already seen it the interview with Jairo Riederwald um, on the Palace TV 
system because he talks at length about how he knew he was playing this week. He knew that Luca was playing this week and the guidance and assistance that Luca gave him in terms of planning. I, I thought Jairo was outstanding. I mean, Wilf, it's, it's a different kind of thing. You could, no one can compete with Wilf. You know, I've already um, <laughs> rhapsodized enough about him, but I mean, he was he was absolutely disco dancing on fire uh, this this week, and I just really hope we see that for the rest of the season because I love watching him in his pomp. He's so good. So for sure, I've um, I've also been able to identify why I had mixed feelings about Andros's performance because again, he had fifty nine touches, which was very very high, um, only second to to Luca. Um, and yeah, two key passes in there. Um, but it was the passing. It was 67.9% he had. And that's the thing that probably stuck out in my mind was the number of misplaced passes there. Um, so perhaps I did him a disservice by being doubtful because, you know, when you're playing passes in that area of the pitch, um, you, you, you can be unlucky. And as we focus down the left-hand side, far more than the right-hand side. He's obviously got fewer options out there. So I've probably done him a disservice by being a bit doubtful about his game because you know, he was he was very, very good in that match as well. But that'll do in terms of, of analysing the performances. Um, but obviously, yeah, as we say, Wilf was absolutely outstanding in the game. Um, and, you know, arguably we probably wouldn't have won without him. So, uh, but good, good stuff. Um, oh, quick special mention to Scott Dan, actually, who obviously came back into the side. I thought interesting um kind of I, I just felt we were more solid back there i think he's i don't know i don't know what, how, how i feel because obviously sacco had a difficult game out there cahill came back for a match and, and got injured by that, that uh i don't even say his name you know the brighton one um completely unnecessarily and just don't yeah just like so so that's bad but scotty dan coming back in um, just, I, I feel assured with him back there now, and that, that seems weird because I thought his career was over a couple of seasons back as a Palace player, and, and knowing we can rely on him is, um, is is definitely a good thing. Yeah, credit to him, but I will say that I think that playing against Mitrovic, that style of uh, cent- uh, striker, the same way that Damer would with thrive of someone like Costa, really helps uh, Dan uh, thrive because you know I think the physicality, even though wouldn't we think of Dan as a physical type player, I think just the the whole thing battling Mitrovic yesterday was would, would have played his strength as opposed to playing a, with a, maybe a, uh, a, a, a smaller, quicker type of a striker. But again, not taking anything away from him. I thought he played really well yesterday also, but I think Dan really fit in yesterday because of the way that Fulham plays. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so there we go. Um, just a few uh, four-word reviews. Uh, I think Chris has picked out a, uh, a selection of four. Um, which, go on, Chris, I'll let you... Uh... I have Oh, thanks. Okay, right. So I, I picked some themes as well, which was just that the performance was better than last week, uh, but the defensive approach was a bit disappointing. Frustration at the loss of a clean sheet at the last minute, and specifically that it was a very nervous last minute. And that brings me to Jess Booker with her four-word review, which was very nervous last minute. Then Dave Winbod said, please stop sitting back. Nick Simmons said, that's more like it. And AK Richards 2 on Twitter said, where are the Roy haters now? Yeah, you would put that one in, wouldn't you? <laughs> I had to. 
I, I mean, when I, we did this at the front of the show, so I won't go on about it, but the whole <laughs> yeah, concept of Roy Haters is an annoying thing in itself. But what you don't do is, if, if you're, if, I mean, first of all, I'll, I'll go record as saying this again. Anyone who defends a Palace player or a Palace manager, I get it, right? Because it's, it's a good thing to do, right? It's to, to back your team's manager to back the players, you know, in, in times of adversity or whatever. It, you know, it's a natural thing to do when you care about the club and you care about the people at the club. But obviously, when we do stuff like this, it's down to us to analyse, maybe to the nth degree or whatever. But in a general sense, these the social media arguments of having to argue in extremes, it's like, if okay, if you want to eulogise about a 2-1 win against the worst team in the league, cool, go for it. But you don't have to point to other people who were angry at a four 0 thrashing against Chelsea, where we barely tried, and a one 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 draw, and a horrible abject performance against our biggest rivals. If if those people are angry and fed up with the manager at that point, winning against the worst team in the league doesn't really undo that. So, you know, but let's not categorise people as Roy haters or Roy lovers. Let's not argue in extremes. Let's just talk about how we honestly feel. That's what we do on here. We talk about how we honestly feel about what we're seeing and what we're what we're hearing. And that and that's all we do. So yeah, it's been, uh, damn it, Chris, you made me angry again. Sorry, mate. Um but I, I had to say that um yeah and to highlight that point. And I also wanted to just kind of put a bit of perspective on it. And and that works both ways, actually, which is, you know, right now, um, you know, and I, I mean, we're not supposed to talk about what time we're recording, but we are recording at 19.11 hours on the Sunday. And uh, we're currently in sixth position. Um, and that's largely a merited sixth position. Mm-hmm. There's not many teams who can overtake us or um, are above us after six games. We're on 10 points. The team that's top is on 13 after six games. There's only one team above us that has played fewer games. They're two points above, and that's Villa, who have had a freaky run. Now, actually, we're, we're obviously not going to... Let's be honest, we're not going to finish sixth. We're probably not going to finish top half. Let's see. But um, it's important to put these things in perspective. We've got 10 points from six games, and we were having an argument a bit and a bit of a joust about this stuff earlier weren't we about you know what your expectations are over the next let's say 10 to 15 games and there aren't that many games that we're that I feel really confident we're going to win but nonetheless we've got to be quite happy in terms of our points haul at this stage and there's more to play for and lots of people have seen positives as well as negatives and lots of people have seen negatives as well as positives it's a complicated game it's really not that easy and I I mean that by people who slag off my co-presenters and people who are frustrated at what's happening on the pitch at the moment because I am too but the results overall have been all right so far and let's hope that continues yeah, no, we'll, in a, well in another time we'll we'll you know we can get into a bit of a discussion about you know at what point do you just say results are the most important thing and whether you feel that way or not or whether you should feel that way as a, as a fan you know in particular fans that do fan produced content should we just accept things and 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 try and maintain some form of neutrality in status quo or should we just you know say what we really feel and, and accept challenges here there and everywhere and that and that's all fine that's you know we're able to make our individual choices about that but you know, I think it's important to have that balance. If you if you look at the league and you look at what we've done now, 
especially if you're in neutral, if you look at if you're looking in from the outside in and you, you look at the opening fixtures we had, and you're looking at that points total, the fact with three points off the top of the league, it, it looks like anyone questioning Roy Hodgson is, is a madman, right? But you know, I, I just go back to one when you're watching your team every single week you should be aware of the trends in your performances and the trends in your results. We should be concerned at the, the the sort of calendar year results that we've had. But at the same time, you cannot argue with, with being 10 points down. And a few people said it to me this week, it's th- only 30 to go. And as much as part of me hates that, it is true, you know, <laughs> 10 wins and we're a, we're a Premier League side again. But, um, you know, that, it, it all depends on what you want and what your expectations are and, they can change throughout the course of the season, but you know, but but important to, to strike that balance for sure. So, um, I, th- I think it's probably a, a good a time as any to end by just looking ahead to the game on Friday night. Obviously, pay per view. Obviously, you won't be paying for that. Um, but to me, it's a it's a big test because you know, if if you're someone who's, who's looking at the points total and thinking we deserve to be there, fine. I don't necessarily agree with you, um, but I'll, but I'll certainly take the points total that we've got. And to me, it's a it's an important distinction to look at if we can do similar against Wolves, if we can play well, if we can you know operate as a, as a you know effective attacking force for a you know second consecutive game to a degree. Um, that's that's great, and that to me is a big test. If we go and play Wolves and put in the same kind of attitude and performance we did against Chelsea or Brighton, um, then, you know, any goodwill is going to evaporate very, very quickly from me and from a lot of people, I think. So fingers crossed for that one. Let's hope we're on an upward upward trend now. So over to you, gents. Anything that you want to see different for that game? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I want to, want to see us take a more upbeat approach because... I mean, the one thing I'll say about that, though, I mean, I've said I want to see us take a, a more upbeat approach, but I watched every minute of the Leeds-Wolves game, and Leeds did take a more upbeat approach and were the better team, in my opinion, for 85 minutes, and then lost the game. And, you know, I, so in a way, while I'm saying I want to see something different and I want to see us take the game to them, I, I kind of want to see us do what we just did to Fulham because I think that's exactly the right approach to the Wolves game. They're a, they're a team that would be expecting to beat us on paper, but we have to counter-attack and beat them. And So basically, I, I, I want Eze on the pitch. That's the main change I want. I don't care who he replaces. I want him on the pitch as early in the game as we can possibly achieve. And I think we can win that game because Wolves... One in the what you know what was it 90th plus minute? I was sat with a Leeds fan and the claret who was not very happy. But um, yeah, that's what we need to change. We need Eze on. Patrick, anything for you? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think the approach needs to change. The mentality needs to change. That will come from the coaching staff. Um, I don't have a problem if he was to play the exact same lineup as yesterday. Um, obviously, I'd like to see Eze play, but I'm not I'm not optimistic he'd ever do that against uh, an away a game against a team as attacking as as forward thinking as, as Wolves, but I'd, I'd really like to see Eze play um, for Schlupp or for Townsend. It won't work for me. It's not going to happen, I don't think. The lineup yesterday, again, uh, liked it on paper, 
uh, was difficult to watch at times. But again, I'm happy that we did get the win. As far as uh, the table goes, which is funny, you were saying, so Chris is right. If Everton, Liverpool, Villa, Leicester, Leeds, Arsenal, Southampton failed to win next week and we beat Wolves, we'd be in first place if we could score eight goals. I'll look forward to that. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, so that's where we're going as far as extremes, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, rise, Sir Roy. So, is your prediction um, going to be an 8 0 win against Wolves? Oh, of course. Okay, so oh, Patrick's definitely. gone 8 0. We're we playing Chris, right now. What do you reckon? Yeah, 8 0. Seven. Seven. Oh, I'd be desperately unlucky. One goal. Not... It's the Palace way, though, isn't it? Actually, that's pretty funny. So Terence did say in the chat earlier on, he said, um, if results carry on as they are earlier, which which they have, we're going to be three points off top of the table. And then he said uh, right. it would be fairly typical of Palace to win a major trophy when none of the fans can be, <laughs> be at the ground. And, uh, and the element of truth in that really did make me laugh, <laughs> I have to say. And talking of... Uh, I'm so, so gutted about yeah. that. And, uh, <laughs> and talking of, of Terence, he and the preview team will obviously be back in the week, um, previewing the game in more detail than we just had. So just enough time for a prediction from... For, from oh, you did give a prediction. Prediction from me, in fact. Uh, so I'll go with a more sensible prediction. Um, I'd say Wolves probably haven't reached the heights that they were they're capable of. Obviously, they've they've lost Diego Jota, um, but I'm going to go with a. I think we're probably going to lose two 0 if I'm honest. But I hate to be negative. Right, no, real don't. world prediction: one nil to us. Real world, uh, one nil to Wolves. Well, there you go. We're a we're a bright bunch. At least Chris is happy, eh? <laughs> eh? <laughs> I'm always happy. <laughs> exactly. So um, you're not allowed to use the c word, mate. Remember. So, um, <laughs> sorry, beep it. Yeah, we'll then. definitely have to beep that. Can you make a note of the time? What was that? One thirty-two. Bloody hell, one thirty-two ten. It was on our recording. So, um, make sure whichever producer is producing this, because at the moment it's me. I'll make sure they capture that. I just just beep it. Let's just beep it. You can't use that word. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, it'd be mysterious because people don't necessarily know which c word it was if it is beeped. Hmm. Anyway, well, let's see. Yeah. It'll be fascinating. <laughs> Good. Good. So um, thank you very much for listening, as always, and, and definitely a special thank you to all of you who got in touch. There were a whole host of forward reviews, which Chris picked themes from, didn't have time to get to them all. Um, but we, you know, we, got, we do read all of your comments and questions and everything and all your feedback as well, whether it's positive or negative, we do take it on board and we, uh, we, we use it to shape the show and everything that we do. So it's extremely valued. Uh, and, and even if I get cross with you on Twitter, don't worry. Um, I don't take it personally for very long. Certainly don't hold grudges. <clears throat> uh, obviously, thank you to my panel. That's Chris and Patrick. And to whoever actually edits this for producing, we haven't made too many mistakes or um, said too many unacceptable things. Uh, so hopefully a relatively easy job there. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on your chosen podcast app. That'll get you the preview show as it comes out in midweek. Uh, probably drop on Thursday um, at the latest on a Friday. Like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. There's tons of content on there. Numbers are growing all the time. We'll do more and more stuff on there as we can. Hopefully next week we'll, um, we'll have enough people around uh, to help us do a, uh, a video version of this pod. And finally, you can find us on all platforms simply by searching Back of the Nest. So until next time, come on you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. 
You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.